Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Influencia podcast. My name is Juan Carlos Rojas. I'm the owner of JCR Media Ventures, Bail Online Marketing, and Influencia, a platform that helps business owners reach their audiences by creating tailored content that helps them convert followers into clients. My goal with this podcast is to share with you stories from inspiring minds, creators, entrepreneurs, and artists who are shaping the way we consume content using different social media platforms. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. In this first episode, I talk with Dr. Susanna Palovitz, founder of Global Slovakia, a nonprofit organization dedicated to sharing Slovakia with the world. Her latest book, Czechoslovakia Behind the Iron Curtain, is set to release Thursday, January 16, 2020. We discuss her motivations, what influences her to create, as well as the value of freedom. Without further ado, let's welcome Susanna. Susanna, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time and talking to us today. Oh, thank you so much. It's a great pleasure for me to be on this podcast with you. Thank you. Susanna, you have quite an interesting background and you grew up in two different parts of the world the East and the West. Uh, can you tell us a little more about uh, how did it shape who you are now? Mm. So it definitely shaped who I am. I feel that I embody two different perspectives. Um, more eloquently said, I would say two different consciousnesses. So what does that mean? Well, I was born in communist Czechoslovakia and about a one year before the regime collapsed, um, my parents basically made a radical choice to defect, and that means they legally crossed the Iron Curtain to the free world. Uh, so from the age of four or five years old, I left um, Slovakia, my place of birth. We were political refugees in Austria, as were many other Eastern Europeans at the time, uh, before we gained permission and to come to Canada as landed immigrants. So from there on, I was raised, educated, socialized in Canada. And I would say a, a, a lot of that also in the United States um, because I would live on and off between Canada and Florida as an elite, um, a high-performance athlete in tennis. Um, during the winter months, I would go down to Florida and um, my relationship with the U.S. continued when I studied my undergrad in Illinois. So I, in one way, I was born in the Eastern Bloc, in, in what was referred to in the Cold War era as the East, and then raised in the West um, from childhood onwards. But of course, in the, the socialization that happened in my, in my home was uh, my parents were Slovak, so they raised me Slovak in a Slovak way, the way they were raised. Freedom is, is a big theme throughout your books. Isa. What does freedom mean to you, somebody who escape uh, the East and move to the West? I guess it's just the freedom to be uh, an individual. I mean, in, in the communist bloc or in the Soviet bloc, that was non-concept or that was individualism was something that was suppressed. And it wasn't suppressed because of some evil agenda. It was just suppressed because of the ideology that um, these are inherently, the Slavic um, cultures are inherently collectivist cultures. And um, they value um, the collective decision-making process over that of the individual. They feel that the group kind of mind supersedes the individual mind. And coming into the contact with the West and living in the West was that um, it's the opposite. It's all about the individual. 
-hmm. and the individual is kind of what helps to pioneer and lead the collective forward. So the individual is the pioneer that's moving society forward. And, and in the East, it's flipped. Society is cultivating the individual and moving, um, helping to groom and evolve the individual. So freedom is expression. I mean, it's, it's mobility in this case. Um, that was something that was suppressed in the communist bloc. We were not allowed to cross or come into contact with the West. So we weren't allowed to travel. We weren't allowed to go like cross the Iron Curtain. If we did, we were shot at. I mean, there were fences, there were guard dogs. And uh, there were people that perished trying to cross over into the free world. So, so I think I, I, I really value freedom by having had the experience of unfreedom and particularly coming from um, a, a lineage or generations that were raised in unfreedom. My parents, my grandparents, um, their parents and my great grandparents. You know, we had 41 years of communism in this part of the world where freedom of speech was banned, freedom of information was banned, freedom of gathering, that's people coming together in public um, spaces was banned, and of course freedom of movement was banned, people couldn't travel. Absolutely. How was moving back to Slovakia, what did you feel at that moment um, when you, or when or why, you decided to go back and, and rediscover your roots, as you say? I think it was kind of a, a a very natural process. So I, as a kid, as I said, was born in the East, was raised in the New World, Canada and the U.S. Then when I finished my undergrad, I, I felt like um, hungry to discover more of the planet. I, I, I acutely knew that I shouldn't settle in, in Canada or the U.S., or start working professionally in Canada and the U.S. because if I do, I'm just going to get tracked into this career path and I'm not going to leave, you know. So I knew that I just, upon graduation, I needed to get out. And I did. And I went um, to actually teach English in South Korea. Oh, so wow. I, lived in, I lived in Seoul for about a year. And that was mm -hmm. a radically different contrasting experience to my contact with Europe or or Canada and the U.S., you know, so so then I came into contact with a whole new, an Asian mindset, an Asian perspective on, on the way of life and how life should be organized, and they're a very hierarchical society, they're a very Confucian society, they're a very collectivist society, you know, so again, mm -hmm. just coming into contact with the diversity of this planet, and also diversity in terms of perspectives and in terms of civilizations, and um, and from there, it's just I continued living, uh, either living, working, or traveling in different countries, altogether it's been 10, across four different continents um, most recently I was living in London in the United Kingdom where I completed my PhD on a scholarship there so um, so after seeing all this this so much of the world I would say from my 20s I then developed a natural kind of yearning to discover my own roots like okay so I know how other cultures operate other mm -hmm. tribes so to speak work but how does my own tribe work you know, right. who am I? And were you able to travel in between? Like, obviously, you lived in different places. But did you yeah. go back to Slovakia? Absolutely. I mean, especially when I was when I had the time, um, which was like during my university education, I would go for Christmases, you know, for a month for the month long holidays. And then I would go for the summers. And uh, for my PhD, I actually had to do my research. I, my case study was in Slovakia. So I spent about okay. a year and a half just doing research in this country. Um, which gave me a lot of like a lot of time and space and opportunity to kind of deep dive into the culture, deep dive into the mindsets. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, I've been mapping um, my roots for yeah for for, <laughs> for for quite a long time. I see. Was this exactly the point when where you decided that to create Global Slovakia? How did that all begin? Uh, you know, it was so organic. I've, I'm, I'm a very kind of, I operate from the feminine principle. So it's very much intuitive and flow-like and um, instinctual. And uh, Global Slovakia came out because we needed a platform to share our books on, you know, because mm -hmm. we didn't want to just release the books. We wanted to kind of share the knowledge that, are, that, are, that that's anchored in those books and, uh, and a means to kind of, kind of a brand through which we could, you know, come into contact with our audience that, that was beyond the title of the book. So that's mm -hmm. how Global Slovakia was formed. And it was kind of simultaneous. It was at the same time, there was a huge gap. There is a huge gap for this in the country in terms of codifying Slovakia's story in the English language for a foreign audience and sharing that knowledge, those products, those stories with the world. Absolutely. You have any mentors that helped you in this journey of creating Global Slovakia? Uh, all the time. I mean, I don't do anything without um, seeking counsel uh, from people who know more than me um, how to do certain things. So thankfully, Global Slovakia, I mean, with, with such a big mission of sharing Slovakia with the world and with our kind of high productivity that we have a good track record, we've proven we stand by kind of our mission in terms of executing those two books and really launching them on the market. They're on Amazon, et cetera. People mm -hmm. kind of trust us. So they, so, so, um, people, you know, uh, high level professionals in kind of leaders in their various sectors or industries, um, give us the time of day. And some of those people become our mentors. Um, and I, and I listen to them very attentively because I feel that's the best way to learn. I mean, you can learn the stuff in books and you certainly do need to know the theory and, you know, the jargon of, of your industry or sector. But the best way to learn is tacitly through people just sharing their experience with you. And it's a lot more like a, a kind of a real way of learning, mm -hmm. I feel. Um, because what's what's in books is very explicit and it's kind of more theoretical, but real life is always different. And so if these mentors trust you and value you, they will share their kind of real experiences with you. And through applying their knowledge into your practice, you can you can kind of advance yourself more quickly. So I value my mentor network so much, and I'm always on the lookout um, to meet new people um, mm -hmm. that I can learn from. How do you or, usually approach somebody that you you've been eyeing for a while, in a while, or you know, reading their books, and how do you suddenly make the the contact with them? I approach them sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I approach them like like a fan, like, um, hey, I really appreciate your work and what you're doing. Um, this is what I do. Uh, would you have time to meet me for a coffee so we can discuss, you mm -hmm. know? And from there, just it's a very personal meeting. It's a it's a very kind of personal relationship that forms based on, you know, your story, their story, your ambitions, their ambitions, and and whether they're interested in helping you out or not. You know, people actually experience people. I feel do like to be asked for gui uh, for guidance you know they yes. do like to share their knowledge with kind of the up-and-coming generation and they appreciate people that are ambitious but also that have skills you know that 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 kind of can back up what they say with their work ethic or with their what they produce right and when was this when was global slovakia born um well we i would say we're active for about a year and a half it was a it was born into, let's say, the community um, with the launch of our first book, Slovakia, The Legend of the Linden. 
Mm-hmm. And we've, I mean, we're really learning along the way. We're still a relatively kind of small startup in terms of being a non-for-profit. We're learning how to build a community. We're learning how to kind of listen to that community and see what they, what they need, what they want, and mm-hmm. try to deliver that to them, you know, as long as it, it coincides with our own mission. Where have you found the most response um, in Slovakia or outside of Slovakia? Definitely outside of Slovakia, and that's always our target. It's it's to communicate Slovakia story to foreigners, but also to people who have Slovak roots or ancestry. So we have a kind of a a good support base in the U.S., um, where a lot of Slovaks at the turn of the eight um, of the nineteenth and twentieth century they immigrated to. So we're looking at several generations ago, and um, now their progeny of these migrants, Slovak migrants, are trying to kind of come into contact with their roots, and that coincides with that whole movement that's happening in the U.S. with like finding out your DNA and your genetics and your ancestry and mapping, you know, mm-hmm. realizing you're not just an American. Which, I mean, you are an American, you identify as that, but you also have um, ancestral lineage that dates back to other parts of, of the world. Nice. How has the power of social media uh, helped Global Slovakia reach new followers and promote discussion in your community? Um, I mean, without social media, we we wouldn't be where we are. It's like we wouldn't probably exist. I, I mean, um, and social media is absolutely key in communicating who we are and particularly our, our products, our books um, to to the market, to, to new audiences, to the community. Um, Uh, because we don't have, we're, we're you know, we're, we're bootstrap uh, organizations, so we don't have a marketing budget at all for our books. Um, so how how do you communicate if you have a book? How do you communicate that to people? I mean, you can go knock on people's doors, right? Miss probably like you know, maybe one in fifty will be interested, or you can just put it on social media platforms and see who bites, see who who responds to it. So mm-hmm. social media is so such a democratic tool, I feel. It's really leveled the playing field in terms of granting access to anyone to, to kind of get on a soapbox and share their message or their product or their service. It's a remarkable tool. And we're only like learning how to maneuver it. You know, we're, we're again, learning by doing. And we're try, trying to actually build, bring in now people, uh, partner with people that know how to do it better than us. <laughs> so that we can learn from them there's there's a lot to learn obviously and especially in social media and anything and the online world changes constantly so there's, there's always something new coming up so it's good that like you said you have a network of people that are supporting you guys and uh and learn you're learning from them and learning uh, from each other and going along the way yeah 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 exactly nice Um, this so this year we're commemorating the 30th anniversary of the Velvet Revolution. It was a transition of power that marked the collapse of the communism in former Czechoslovakia. Is is this a reason why you decided to cover this topic in your new book, uh, Communist Czechoslovakia? Yeah. So this book has been like um, kind of 10 years in in, in the works. Uh, probably we've been working it on, on on it very extensively for the past year. Two, two years um, and whenever you 
you do a kind of a book or a theme, it's always nice to link it to something. And we're just about ready to be finished with it. And it just ha so happens that it coincides with the 30th anniversary of the Velvet Revolution. So that's a kind of a big, big signpost or a, a big platform to kind of share this message of the, of the book, which is celebrating freedom, but also learning through the experience of unfreedom. And uh, the way we write the book is not to condemn communism, you know, like explicitly. It's more just to, okay, there was this experiment that happened. And the communist experiment is probably the greatest ideological experiment of the 20th century. You know, at one point, the Soviet empire was one of the biggest empires ever. You know, it encompassed a lot of parts, a lot of landmass, a lot of countries. You yes. know? And it was um, and, and, it, and it stuck around for quite a bit, you know, for 41 years. So like almost half a century. And what, what was it about this ideology that was so seductive? You know, like mm -hmm. in, in, in our country, they actually voted the communists in, um, you know, the, it was a parliamentary system. So there were other other like. Um, like there were also the Democratic Party uh, parties present. Unfortunately, after that, there was a coup where they took over and it became a one party rule for four decades almost over here. But, you know, what is it about communism that seduced so many people? How was this ideology systematically implemented to the point where it changed the whole social structure of a society? And why did it fail? Mm -hmm. You know, what were its shortcomings and how did the system come down how did the walls of this the iron curtain come down you know it came down through individuals saying they had enough and coming together with other individuals to form larger and larger clusters these clusters then spilled out onto the streets and when the critical mass was saying no more mm -hmm. the people at top you know they couldn't sustain the system anymore of course there were other geopolitical factors at play but in in overall it, it was a, it was a social movement it was a movement of a people that said you know no more we, we want to leave we, we don't want to be trapped behind a fence i mean it's absolutely ridiculous and the new generation new generation mm -hmm. of slovaks are not aware necessarily of, of how these all took place and what happened so was that your goal behind the book absolutely so yeah, and that's the feedback we've been getting from a lot of secondary school teachers or even youth that we've kind of market tested the book on. Uh, they're like, oh, my God, we, we didn't know this. We don't know this because there is um, there's a problem in terms of the education system teaching about communism in this country because it's so personal, like half half the members of one family were communists, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's deeply it's 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 hard to step out and view it objectively you know or or in its essence and uh, another thing is the education system and the judicial system in Slovakia are the last kind of systems to be reformed so a lot of the material that is being taught in schools is kind of a repetition of the past there's not a lot of new material to work with and it's, and communism in general the, 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 the our most recent history within the past regime is something that's kind of skimmed over in history classrooms also yeah. because there's a lack of proper material to teach about it because it is still so sensitive you know it is so sensitive to so many people yeah it's not a, a broad topic that i think you bring up to to a, a regular meeting you don't want to get into that right yeah 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 because there's people that still like um believe in that ideology or or they see the value of it you know and they don't necessarily you know think think uh, the capitalist system is the best you know so 
So Finland is still a crossroads here. And they say, and Václav Havel said this, it will take two generations, you know, to kind of change the the imprints of mm-hmm. of the communist programming, because still in many positions of people, uh, positions of power are people that were raised in socialism, you know, so they right. were conditioned in it. I I think the the support for this project has been great, and the reviews that I've seen on your social media platforms is has been great. Um, what do you think people are are liking the most about this book? I think they like uh, the fact that we we. we Uh, so we try to bring our words to life through um, illustrations and also photography, in this case, from the era. Oh, and uh, the way we communicate the story is not in this kind of historical, dry, factual way. We do talk about the historical timeline, but we also center that historical timeline in a wider geopolitical context. And from there, from kind of way up top, we then descend into the very everyday lives of the people and how they lived, how it affected their lives and how they coped with it. So we all, it's also very humane mm-hmm. and emotional reading this book. So we hope that it's going to be a success, that it's going to resonate not just with Slovaks or, or descendants of Slovaks in the U.S., right. but actually the broader community or or the broader market, because it is a theme that's quite like hotly debated, especially in the U.S. right now, socialism, mm-hmm. capitalism, etc. You know, what what sucks about the ideology, what's good about it, etc. Yes, and so how can we support this project? How can we find it? Um, so we would actually really, really appreciate your support. Um, if you would visit our Kickstarter, uh, maybe there will be a link that will be attached to this podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, you can give us a pledge. Now, um, this pledge will function like a donation to us, but actually in exchange, we're either going to give you um, a copy of our ebook, or if you pledge more, a hard copy of our book, or there's various kind of goodie packages or membership packages that we offer. And like we... We really value um, kind of people who do support us because we, 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 we don't exist without kind of donations. That's, uh, we we pu- purely exist off our book sales, donations, and grants. We have no governmental support in what we do. So um, we really, really, really value uh, when people are able to be inspired by this idea and want to support us. Yes, and we will link in the, um, all the Kickstarter campaign website as well as the website, Communist Czechoslovakia. I see it's, the illustrations are just beautiful. Um, I feel like the book is going to be amazing. Um, the Slovak, Thank you. Yeah, the Thank Legend you. of Linden is amazing. It's beautiful, beautifully written and also illustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the illustrations, I think, make it so special. And I think mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to actually reading this book. It's coming up pretty soon. Um, what, what do you think is the, the future? What, what the future holds for Global Slovakia or what goals do you have? Uh, we are so excited about what the future holds. Um, every project that we have builds on the one that came before it. So now with this Czechoslovakia Behind the Iron Curtain, we aspire it to be an Amazon international bestseller. Of course, we never know if this will happen, but that's kind of our aspiration. And the next project we want to do is we want to transition into kind of audiovisual format. So we've noticed that books are wonderful and books are essential because they anchor knowledge. But books also have limitations. They're incredibly static. They're physically heavy. And also people don't really read that much anymore. So 
our goal is to disseminate this knowledge through new mediums and we want to move into audiovisual. So we want to start making videos. Uh, we also want to pitch an entire series to um, international networks, which wow. basically, yeah, so we'll be in, a, in the next few months, we'll also be making a pilot episode. Um, so we, we want to grow and we want to, and our goal is we're so driven by our vision, which is to communicate the stories, not just from Slovakia, but really from this kind of post-Soviet bloc part mm -hmm. of the world or post-Soviet bloc Europe with the world. Because there's so many incredible lessons to learn. Like Slovakia is a country that has gone through five different regime changes in 100 years. There's no. so much history in Slovakia that people are not even aware of. And, there, you know, it's there, fascinating that you're doing it. There's so much history and there's so many um, shifts in ideology that happened here. You know, we went from feudalism to democracy to being a Nazi satellite state to then becoming a communist satellite state to then um, reestablishing democracy, becoming an independent country for the first time in a thousand years of, you know, the Slovak existence and to then joining the European union integrating into another structure so we've had so many kind of flags come through here so many different belief systems come through here and, and that's really really unique because there's not many places on the planet that have experienced so many kind of radical systematic shifts as yes. as part of europe what do you think it's one of the main things why like people should uh, learn more about slovakia or get it more into it and try to visit I think it's, for me, what I find fascinating is kind of the living history it, and that history is not in books, but actually in, in people, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, and like I said, in less than a hundred years, you had, you know, or 101 years this year, the collapse of the Austro-Hungarian empire, you know, you had, um, like those things, those, those, those shifts that I talked about and people lived through those experiences and they have incredibly valuable ex stories to share you know i'm mm -hmm. just like amazed when my grandmother opens my mouth and she says stuff to me i'm just like what like I, I read that in history books like what do you mean like you experienced it on your own skin you know right. <laughs> <laughs> like it blows my mind and um, i'm just so humbled by by everything that these people have gone through you know, and, and that's why it's like an honor for me to document it. Yes, it is it's fantastic what you're doing. And such a beautiful community that you're building as Global Slovakia. We're going to also link um, to the Facebook page where you can join. And oh, thank you. An open discussion to it. I see that people constantly are talking about different things and sharing and commenting on what you guys are posting. You guys have a lot of audiovisuals there. So yes. I think it's a fantastic page if you want to learn more about Slovakia. But mm -hmm. before we say goodbye, um, mm -hmm. I wanted to just ask you a few things, maybe personal, sure. and sure, see you know, to share with us and see how you you do a lot of stuff. And I'm fascinated with what you're doing because it's a lot of different things. You're constantly on the go, moving and and creating. So I wanted, I was curious and see if you have any daily routines or habits that motivate you and keep you going and to, to create such content? Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, I wish I had more of a routine. Like, um, I do try to find that mind body balance, you know? Um, but what I think my shortcut to my creativity is, is just being inspired by what comes my way. 
and seeing the opportunity and what comes my way, whether it's a an, an, a, a contact like an individual, you know, um, mm-hmm. a, that has a company or an idea or a vision. I always look for ways like how can we cooperate? You know, mm-hmm. how can this be a win-win? How can you know? Um, I benefit you and you help to share my message with your community, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I view it, I view re- like life in a very interactive way. And sometimes I don't think we need, the strategy is really important, but I, what I think is more important than strategy is vision is kind of mm-hmm. having a higher vision and then just playing with life. Like every day is a new day. It's a new opportunity to create your dream, you know, and sometimes like to create your dream, those, those people that will help you or those channels that will help you are not that far off you know they actually come into your life it's just about you being able to recognize those opportunities what a powerful message Susanna thank you so much I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did now visit our site influencia.co slash podcast for a link to buy Susanna's books on Amazon and please share this with your friends Hope you guys have an amazing couple of weeks and see you next time in the Influencia podcast. Historia verídica. A un señor se le caen al suelo los anteojos que hacen un ruido terrible al chocar con las baldosas. El señor se agacha afligidísimo porque los cristales de anteojos cuestan muy caros pero descubre con asombro que por milagro no se le han roto. Hasta este señor se siente profundamente agradecido y comprende que lo ocurrido vale por una advertencia amistosa, de modo que se encamina a una casa de óptica y adquiere enseguida un estuche de cuero almohadillado sobre protección, a fin de curarse en salud. Una hora más tarde se le cae el estuche, y al agacharse sin mayor inquietud descubre que los anteojos se han hecho polvo, a este señor le lleva un rato a comprender que los designios de la providencia son inescrutables y que en realidad el milagro ha ocurrido ahora. <risa>